Hi, I'm Jillian. I'm Olivia. I'm Holly, and you're listening to the Be Well Cartel podcast. Your go-to weekly podcast for women who want real, practical advice on food, fitness, and everything in between. And a healthy dose of dad jokes. So you're listening right now and you cannot see Holly, but she has like really cool, like shaved side head, side hairs on her head, like an undercut. And it just looks, I, yeah. And I keep getting like a glimpse of it and it looks pretty badass. So yeah, I just did it. I used to have it like, I used to still have it there, but a bit longer. So it kind of blended in. And then I went to this hairdresser. There's a really cool hairdresser in San Francisco. If anyone's ever here, it's called Glamorama. And if you ever see it, you'd be like, this is Holly in a hairdressing salon. It's like mm. pink leopard print, like fifties stuff, but everyone oh, yeah. who works that in there sense. specializes in like alternative haircuts and like bright colors and stuff. So anyway, I, I went there and the girl was like, I reckon it'll look great if we just do it like it's crazy short. And I was like, twist my arm. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because so I used to go when I lived in San Francisco, I used to go to this guy. It was like 20 bucks, no matter what the hair cut. This guy's name was Manny and he had face tattoos and he would like tell me about his like disastrous boyfriends. And one day and I would always freak out because I used to have a really I mean, my hair is really long now, but I used to have super, super long hair and I would like stress out if he cut off too much and one day I went camping with friends and I was like I was like I had just quit my job I was like ready to like change my life and I was camping and I was like yeah just cut my ponytail off like just cut it off and so my like these guy friends that I was with like they literally just took like Leatherman scissors and just like chopped off my ponytail and then so I get back to San Francisco and I'm like, well, I guess I got to go see Manny, my hairdresser. And I show up and he like jaw on the ground. Like, what did you do? <laughs> like hairdresser's worst nightmares when people come in and go, can you fix this thing? Yeah, that exactly. I did? <laughs> Luckily I didn't do it too short, but it was just, yeah. I think, I think honestly though, if you're going to go through like a big life change, like why not also go through a big life haircut? Yeah, it's, it's like a classic thing to do, right? But I, yeah. I used to always, I used to change my hair a lot when I was younger. It was like, I enjoyed it so much. Um, so I've been through like all different lengths of hair. Like for, for many years, I had like almost all of my head shaved and just the top on, which was Oh yeah, I've seen so pictures good. of you like that. Yeah. It looks really cool. It was, it was awesome. But growing that back out was like an absolute hell. Yeah. So this one, I was like, okay, if I grow this out, I can wear, still wear my hair down over the sides and it would be just like a lot less painful to grow out so when I got the last one Kevin and I had matching haircuts for a while and I was like I can't go through that again (laughs) you know what I have to say the like coolest compliment that I've ever gotten from someone was um some guy was like you know what you'd be beautiful even with your head shaved and I was like that is the most random compliment I've ever gotten but also like awesome um and I just thought that was that's one of those things where like is it Natalie Portman, who shaves her head in, or gets a head shaven in. V movement. for Vendetta. Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. I was That's not going to get movie. that. I was like, must be on the tip of my tongue. And it wasn't at all. I'm glad you got it. V for Vendetta. Yeah. She gets her head yeah. shaved. Everyone was like, oh my God, Natalie Portman still looks so good with a head shave. Yeah. I a- honestly, whenever I see a woman with their head shaved, I'm like, oh, I know you're a badass. Like, oh, 100%. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny though, because also it's very much like, so my mom died of cancer a very long time ago. Mm. Wow. This took a different turn, but I remember like shaving her head 
when she went through chemo. And so, and, and I think it's like a really hard decision for women that go through that to say like, do I get a wig or do I just like be bald? And my mom just like decided to be bald and like totally pulled it off. And it was just, I feel like it's just like an attitude thing. Cause also I feel like we, we like feminize our hair in so many ways. Yeah. And it's like, we use it as, and I do this. I know that I do this. Like I hide behind my hair all the time. It's like, well, if my hair is long and my hair looks good, then like, I don't need to worry about anything else, but it's like, does that really matter? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like the thing with hair is it's a massive part of our identity because it's the thing about our appearance that we can change the most and change very temporarily. Right. So like, even if I were to shave my whole head I could grow my hair back and then I could do whatever I want with that I could change the color and blah blah, blah. and it ha- it's not like this is a bad example because I have so many tattoos but it's not like getting a tattoo where it's now like on your body forever yeah. it's like hair is a way that we can express our identity at a particular time mm-hmm. and and there's definitely some gender stuff in there like a hundred percent there's gender stuff in there but but I've always like that's one thing that I think is really cool about hairdressers is that they're basically helping people to express some part of their identity and I find that really interesting I, I talk to hairdressers yeah. about it all the time like oh like how, what do you how do you feel about like helping people express their identities and they're like oh yeah, you know yeah. what like I mean I get very boring haircuts at this point because I'm like I I'm terrified to like dye my hair because it would never go back to the same color that it is and like I usually just get like the ends cut off but that's a really I'm gonna ask my hairdresser next time I talk to her about that because that's actually really interesting now that you mentioned that because you're completely right is that it's like it is such an expression of like who we are it's one of the first things that people notice about us and so and I think that also it's like it's more likely like even if especially females like even if a woman doesn't wear makeup like it's it's calm it's probable that she like at least in some way like cares about what her hair looks like or like takes care of it in some way to like show off some type of like thing about her so huh that's an interesting one and, and we get referred to a lot by our hair right like when oh, yeah. I when I had pink hair that's how people would be like oh go find the, the girl, girl with the pink, pink hair. hair like yeah. yeah and then I was talking to one of my clients yesterday and she she doesn't like do crazy stuff with her hair she just like piles it all on her head in this like pineapple bun yeah um and I was like I was because I was like oh my god I love your like crazy pineapple bun like it's so it's so cool and she was like yeah I wear it so much that she's a teacher she was like one day all my students came in with with like you know uh Mrs. Blah, blah blah hair and they'd all done their hair and these like pineapple things and it's like yeah it's part of your identity right they were like oh let's like do a fun thing for our teacher like let's all do her hairstyle oh um, that's so cute yeah it's yeah. so interesting and I mean I think I think that the, the identity part is like it's fascinating right and I think we could probably like go way too deep into this but today <laughs> yeah. I promise you guys we're going to talk about right I mean identity is interesting but it, you know, I think that it's like we, what we talked about when we did that podcast on identity is that it's like, it is a cool way to identify yourself, but also like for me personally, like I've done a lot of work over the years to like, over the years, to like stop trying to identify myself so much with like one individual thing. Like I know you yeah. and I, for example, we identified ourselves a lot with like our abs, for example. And mm. so it's like starting to kind of like disconnect from like the physical things and then reconnect with like, well, what type of type of person do I want to be? Like, how do I get, you know, if I want people to see me a certain way, how do I get people to see me that way? Like without relying on physical characteristics. And I just think, yeah. But I also think that's why, like, if it's with hair, like are you using it to express yourself or are you using it to like be a a version of yourself that you think other people would want you to be, or are you using it to hide something? Because like, 
and, and that's why I like the undercuts so much for myself. Like I like being able to do it in a way now where I can have my hair down and hide it, or I can like completely part my hair over one side and have it totally open. And I realized that for me, like boring haircuts don't work. And I tried growing it all out and just like having like normal hair for a while. And I was like, this is so not me to have like quote unquote normal hair. Cause I've always had like one side shaved, the other side long or what. Like I've always done weird stuff with my hair. Yeah. And I was like that, that for me, like doing weird stuff with my hair is like a way of expressing the fact that I'm kind of weird. Um, and I'm like a little, little eccentric. And so I want my hair to be kind of eccentric. And like when I was trying to have it normal, that was me trying to like, like stifle your eccentricity. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. And so we have a dad joke for today. I'm ready. Okay. Go for it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready. Okay. Why does Dracula always bite people in the neck? I don't know. Why does he? Because he's a necromancer. Oh. A necromancer. So also speaking necromancer. of necro, like that word necromancer, anybody that is listening that knows that Holly and I love fantasy books and are like, ugh. have you started reading the bone season yet? Yes. I'm on the second book. Okay. Oh, do you like it? Do you love it? Do you not like I, it? I, I, no, I really like it. Oh my I God. Really like it. It was so good. Anyway, so if anybody's listening and you are into fantasy or science fiction books, read The Bone Season, but also don't get mad at me when you get to the fourth one and you realize that the fifth one won't be out until 2024 because that oh, that's stressed okay. That's okay. me out. No, stressed that's fine. If it's if it's like two years, that is so much less time to yeah. wait for a, for a next installment of a book than my favorite series of book where I've been waiting now for like 10 years. Like I'm... You know, I'm a little pissed off with you, Patrick Rothfuss, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are. Write your next book. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, anybody that's listening that is also interested in like sci-fi or fantasy like uh, worlds, um, please communicate with Holly and I because we always, <laughs> I personally always need new recommendations and then Holly and I interchange them often. So shout out to anybody that's into that. But um, today we're going to do something a little bit different and just see how you like it and see how it works. Um, this is kind of inspired by like uh, Emmy, Emma Story Gordon and Amelia Thompson's podcast where they take client questions and they just like answer them quickly. And so Holly and I have compiled some questions that have come up from clients of ours over the last couple of weeks. And we're just going to do like a quick response. We're not going to go too into the weeds. Um, we're basically like, we're going to do like Holly gets one response to it. I get one response to it. And then we're going to move on to the next question. Um, and so if you're listening and you're like, I want my question answered, you don't have to be a client of ours. You can just send us your question and we will answer this on a future podcast. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dig in. So go. I'm going to ask you the first question, Holly, do you want to, I'll ask you the question. Then you start with your answer. Cool. Does that work? That cool. works. So question what do I do when I inevitably have a craving for lots of comfort food? Cool. So my first go-to here would be like, what's the unmet need for which the comfort food is acting, right? Like what, what do I need comfort from? So kind of being like, what's the root of the inevitable craving for comfort food would be step one. And then also, you know, like it can totally be incorporated as part of your diet there's absolutely nothing wrong with comfort food it's still uh, we're going to oversimplify but it's still just protein and fats carbs combined into a, a food like it's, it's still the same stuff um 
And so even if you're, you have a weight loss goal and, or if you don't like comfort food can totally be part of your day to day. It doesn't have to be something that you dread. I completely agree with that. And that was a beautifully succinct answer. And I think the, the only thing I kind of like to add with this is that I think a lot of the time when this, this kind of question comes up, it implies that we're not finding joy in the food that we're eating on a daily basis. And so it kind of creates this dichotomy between the food that I eat on a regular basis and then quote unquote comfort food. So there is, like Holly said, there is some, probably some kind of unmet need there that may or may not have anything to do with food whatsoever. And, and so I think that understanding kind of how do I satisfy my needs for comfort outside of that food? And then also how can I work a little bit on enjoying the food that I'm eating more on a daily basis, whether that is like a mindset thing or whether that is simply like adding a little bit more like cheese to something or, you know, having your, you know, your favorite bread instead of the bread that you believe is the quote unquote healthiest. And, and that honestly can be so helpful in, in giving yourself the permission to eat all kinds of food and looking at your diet from a longevity standpoint, rather than like, I have this very short-term goal to reach. How do I avoid all of the things that are quote unquote higher calorie or comfort or whatever that right. is? What have, what have you labeled as a comfort food? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. for the sake cool. of shortness, I'm very yes. proud of us. All right. I'm, I'm pretty proud of us. That's probably the most succinct answer we've ever done. We're going to extend it now by saying this, but okay. <laughs> Next question. So the, the question was, uh, basically my new scale, like someone bought a new scale. They were like, my new scale has body fat measuring on it. Uh, should I use that function? So it depends. And the reasons I say it depends is because it depends on how you view the number that is coming up there. The fact of the matter is, and I'm going to be straight up with you and I'm pretty sure Holly's going to agree with me here is like, it's not accurate. Like it, there's no way that that body fat measurement is actually accurate. However, depending on the scale, it could be quote unquote accurate and telling you the difference. So for example, um, let's say one day it tells you X number and then the next day it tells you, you know, X minus two, that can tell you that you have perhaps uh, reduced body fat, but it's not actually accurate in the number itself. So I would take it with a grain of salt. It can, it can like the scale overall, it can be a helpful piece of information, but it's definitely not sort of like the the end all be all of this is what things are. And this is, uh, this is true. And this is what it's telling me about my body. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And that's, it's pretty much exactly what I would say. So the way that those work is something called bioelectrical impedance, which is basically they send like a very small, like electrical, uh, current through your body. So when you stand on it, you kind of like link up the current, you're like the end of the circuit. And the idea is that, uh, that current flows a little bit differently through, fat tissue than fat-free mass um however the problem with it is like if you get off that scale drink a glass of water and then get back on the scale it's going to tell you your body fat is different like it, it it's not it's it's not very accurate at all in that sense and also the ones where you're just standing on it the current's not going to get crazy far through your body um versus one where you might be standing on holding your hat holding with your hands like the ones they have in like f45 gyms for example which still I question the accuracy of that. It's still not, not great. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to use it, it'd be one of those things where like you could totally do it at the same time, like sort of how we'd usually use the scale before eating or drinking anything first thing in the morning. It's still going to tell you your body fat changes pretty much every day, which 
it's not possible. So as Julian said, it'd be like a very long term, like let's look at the trends over months rather than weeks even. Like I'd be like, okay, at the end of each month, let's take the average of this because your body fat's not going to change massively on a day-to-day or even a week-to-week basis. So yeah, m- massive grain of salt to be taken with it. And and if it causes you any distress to use it, but not worth it at all. And if you do want to use body fat, but you want a very accurate measurement of that, and you like, if we do that, we probably do it every six to eight weeks, use a bod pod or a DEXA scan. And like, it'd be, if you really want to use that metric, it, go, go like pay for that service and get it done properly. And the last thing I would say on this, just one sentence is why is it important for you to know the exact body fat percentage? And that's kind of like a, a thought, like a question for you to consider like quite deeply, because the fact of the matter is, is like, it may not matter at all if you actually know your body fat percentage, unless there's a very yeah. specific reason. To I mean, I can, I can see why some people like it though. As yeah. if, if you're trying to shift away from a focus on, on body weight, then, mm-hmm. then sometimes like body fat might appeal to you more. If for example, you've just started strength training very and true. you'd like to see like, cool, have I gained muscle in this time? Or if you're doing a bulk and you want to know how much muscle you have, or whatever. Or if you are an athlete competing in a weight class sport and you then want yes. to know what weight class you could potentially compete in, then it's important. And if you want to check bone density, Dexa does that at the same time. Yeah. But I think that the point is, is like, if you're going to do that, and if it is really important, I think probably like a DEXA scan or a bod pod is yeah. going to be the way Agreed. to go. Um, all right. We didn't do as well with that question, but I mean, in, in cool. the sense of, but, but we're still doing well, we're still doing well. All right. Next question. And so the question is, is X food okay to eat every day? And the, the specific question was on sweet potato. Like, is it okay to eat sweet potatoes every day? But I think we could look at that. Like, is it okay to eat the same food every day? Right. And that could be, you know, is it okay to eat ice cream every day? Is it okay yeah. to eat chicken every day? Is it okay? And like the, the fact of the matter is like whatever food you put in there doesn't really matter. It can be any food. And like, for me, the way I would look at this is like, what's your intention with eating the same food every day? Is it to keep things simple for yourself? Like, do you find it's helpful? Like if I eat sweet potato every day, um, does it just like take a load off my mind? It works really well in my meals. I really enjoy it. And if I were to have to change it one day, I wouldn't really care. I, like, you know, if I ran a sweet potato one day, I'd eat some pasta, everything would be okay. Then I'd be like, yeah, cool. Like, you're probably fine. If you're eating it for every single meal for every day, then we want to look at, am I now missing out on some micronutrients that I might need from other foods? Like, we can look for some balance there. But the kind of people that I work with tend to be quite rigid dieters and for them, when I see eating the same foods or the same meals every single day, often it's more fear-based and it's a matter of like, this is an easy way for me to con- like quote unquote control myself. And if they have to eat something else or they have to change a meal or I talk to them about bringing in a new meal, it's stressful for them to do that. And so for that kind of client, I would be like, okay, we probably want to move you away from eating very similar meals or the same thing every day, bit by bit. Uh, So yeah, for for me, it's like, how does it fit into your life? What attitude do you have towards it? Is it um, preventing you from getting like balanced micronutrients within your meals across the day? Like basically, is it gonna affect your health? And if all of that's okay, then for me, it's fine. Yeah, I I completely agree with you on that. And just to give a little bit of background, this question actually came up, this is from a client of mine. 
And this actually came up as, you know, this is a food that she really enjoys. And she was like, well, I don't know if it's okay that I'm eating this every day. And so coming from that perspective, because I work with a lot of clients that are looking to build confidence in like, am I making the right choices? And, and they, they look often for reassurance. And so I help them kind of create that reassurance within themselves. And for, for her, when we talked about this, I was like, I asked her, I was like, well, do, do you like it? She was like, yeah, I, I really like it. I was like, okay, cool. Is it the only thing that you're eating throughout the day? She's like, no, definitely not. Like I have it, you know, with other things throughout the day. And I said, well, is it, is it something that sort of like fits in with your daily meals? Is it something that it makes sense for you? She said, yeah. I was like, then yeah, it's absolutely fine if you eat it every day. And I think that again, it, it can come back to that rigidity thing where it's like, okay, well, if it's not sweet potato season, and you can't find sweet potato, like, does that cause you anxiety? If so, then maybe, yeah, we want to work on like adding in different carb sources, for example. But if you're eating it every day, because you're like, I like this food, I like cooking it, I'm comfortable cooking it, because maybe I'm not a fantastic cook, or whatever that is. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I know. It's basically like, are you obsessing over it? And are you spending a lot of energy thinking yeah. about this one food? Or is it just like conveniently part of your day? Totally, totally. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, Great. Okay. Next question is, um, how many scoops of protein powder in a day is too much? So my answer is again, going to be, it depends because <laughs> I, it, what it, a surprise, what a surprise. <laughs> um, and I think this really just has to do again, this kind of goes back to intention, right? It's like, what are we using the protein powder for and why is it important for us to have X amount of protein powder? And I know, there's, you know, some people are simply like, uh, you know, I'm lazy and I don't want to cook. So like, I'm fine with eating three protein shakes a day. Um, probably nutrition wise, it's like not great. Cause like Holly mentioned with the, the last question is like, we're missing out on a lot of micronutrients that you can get from like high quality proteins. And also maybe, you know, if we're like, well, I just don't want to cook. Like maybe you need to work a little bit on like building some skills that make you feel more comfortable putting together meals that don't need to take a ton of cooking but also aren't just like throwing protein powder in like a shaker bottle. And, and if this is coming from, I think often it comes from a fear of like, I need to be getting in as much protein as I possibly can. And this is a really easy way to do that. And, and I would say that then we want to look at like your overall day, your overall week, like maybe there's a day where you have two scoops just because it's a busier day. You've got a lot going on, but personally I I like to see like no more than like two scoops a day. Um, and that's just a general recommendation. Obviously it's not the be all end all, but I like to say no more than two, just because then it tends to take away from what else you're able to include in your nutrition throughout the day. Yeah, I, I tend to go for about the same number, Jillian. And, and I say that having not known that Jillian was going to say that at all. And the reason for me that I tend to go for that is because if we're doing more than two scoops a day of protein, it means that probably more than half of your protein every day is coming from protein powder. And that's not necessarily a problem physically, but I'm, I'm more concerned with like, what, why is that happening? Like, why are we so dependent on protein powder for our protein source? Like what's stopping you from using more whole food sources? And so then I'm like, is it a knowledge gap? Like, do we need to build more knowledge around other protein rich foods or like other combinations that we can do? Um, sometimes they see this in people who are meat eaters, but are trying to start eating more plant-based and they're not really sure how to get more plant-based protein into their diet. And so they compensate with being like, well, I guess I'll just fill it all with protein powder. So it's like a knowledge gap, right? We're like, okay, cool. We can fill that. 
we can fill that knowledge gap. If it's a, if it's a cooking thing, right? Okay, cool. There's a skill that we can build there. Like we can work on building that skill. Um, is it a, is it a time management thing? Um, and you know, it's not a problem if you happen to have some weeks where you're extremely busy, and on those weeks you have three scoops of protein in a day. Okay, cool. Like nothing bad will happen to your body. It's a very high quality source of protein, and in terms of like amino acid profile, it's awesome. It's usually very good. It's more like what what are we avoiding by using that much protein powder? And often if someone's asking this question, we're kind of like, okay, there's there's a gap somewhere. There's a gap somewhere and we can approach this gap and we can fill it with either knowledge or skill or mindset, whatever. Um, and the final thing I'll mention from like, again, if I go back to like rigid dieters, sometimes the reason I so focus on this is because it's a almost no fat, very high protein, protein source. It's like a fake dessert type thing. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. okay, it's a way that I can get a, a quote unquote treat in because I'm not allowing myself treats anywhere else. Or I'm so afraid of proteins coming with fats that like the thought of an egg stresses me out, but a scoop of whey protein feels very comfortable. Oh yeah. And just, I mean, this was me like years ago. I remember I would have, um, when I was doing the starvation templates, <laughs> you know, which ones I'm yes, talking yep, about. Yep. <laughs> I would have, um, I would have, I think two scoops of protein and then I would have casein protein at night. And it would be like, that, those would be my Same. treats though. That would be like my chocolatey treat for the day. And it's like, just eat some freaking chocolate and move on with <laughs> your life and fill up your meals with other sources of protein. So also it's like a food volume thing is like, if you're eating a shit ton mm -hmm. of, of, protein powder, you're missing out on food volume from other foods. So you may not be as full. Also eating too much protein is very easy when you're getting it from a bunch of protein powders. And personally, my digestive system was shot. My farts were so bad. It was real bad. Anyways. Yes, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> and the, the only people for whom I might see that amount of protein powders increase is like athletes, yeah. for example, like if they need a lot of fast digesting proteins, like right after workouts or during workouts, they might have an increased volume of it. Um, awesome. Okay. We yeah. did it. We did another one. All, All right. right. Next, next question. All right. Next question. I never seem to have the right food to create balanced meals. How can I write a better grocery list? Yeah. And so this is something I see a lot with people when they um, start off and they're like, I just find meal prep so hard. Mm. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like what's, what are you struggling with about meal prep? And yes, sometimes it's time management stuff, sometimes whatever, but very often it comes down to, they just don't have the right foods in their fridge, freezer, cupboards to put together a balanced meal. And they're kind of like, I sometimes have this with clients where like, I understand what a protein is, like what a carb is, what a vegetable, like I understand that those things would be great to put onto a plate, but I just never have them. Um, and so what we do there is we go back to the grocery list. I mean, first of all, like, wh when are you grocery shopping? Like, have you planned this in? And then when we get to the grocery list, something that's brought up very often in like macro coaching, but I think just works very well for a, a lot of people in general is like the rule of threes, which is basically like write your grocery list and you put down protein and you put down three different protein sources. And then you put down carbs and you put down three different carb sources. And then the same with veggies and the same with fats and then condiments. Oh my God, put condiments at the end so that your food tastes good. And then you might go, cool, I already have rice and tortillas in my cupboards and I'm just going to buy some potatoes. Cool. Okay. So my grocery just has potatoes. And then like, uh, you know, proteins might be like, oh, I've had that salmon in my freezer for ages. That's going to be one thing I use. And I'm going to buy some chicken and I'm going to buy some 
like minced beef like okay fantastic and then we get to the veggies and you know and you can keep working through like that and that way when you get to making your meals it's a mix and match it's a mix and match it allows some variety across the week and it makes sure that you have enough things to be making balanced meals that you kind of know what you're supposed to be doing there but you just don't have the the tools to let you do that thing yeah I I completely agree with you and I'm also going to do a shameless plug for my podcast because I did a specific episode literally with a step-by-step guide for how to like create your own meal plan and and so that I think if you are someone that struggles with this and you're like how do I create balanced meals? How do I make sure that I have that stuff actually in my fridge? That podcast episode will take you through step-by-step, like how to choose things, how to put them together and how to actually like make cohesive meals without stressing yourself out. Because personally, and this is funny because a lot of the time when I talk to clients about this, they're like, I'll tell them I'm very lazy when it comes to cooking, like extremely lazy. And they'll be, but you, you know, you eat balanced meals, like all the time. It seems so easy for you. It's like, yes, but that's because I have that framework in my head, Holly, like you said, of, I know that I always have protein in my fridge. I know that I always have veggies. I know that I have carbs and I know that I have fats. And so when it comes time to actually cooking, it doesn't take a lot of like mind Tetris because it's already there. And also practice. I think practice. Yeah. 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 There's a lot to be said just for simply practicing and be like, and reflecting on, Hey, last week I didn't have X, Y, Z. Why is that like self-reflection? Sometimes we just tell ourselves like, I'll just do it better. And it's like, that's not really helpful because you're not recognizing what the actual like opportunity to improve is. Yeah. Practice practice is underrated in all of these. I think like any of these that we're talking about first practice, sometimes get it wrong, but like, yeah, reflect and learn. And that's, that's how you get better at it. It's the only way. Exactly. And it will take energy at the beginning and it will take way less energy later. Like now I don't think about it when I'm shopping. I don't like write all that stuff out, but I subconsciously do it. Yeah. Same. Cool. All right. I think we've got time for one more question. Um, And the next question is an awesome one that I think comes up a lot, especially with people just getting into healthy eating. And that question is, how do I get myself to like eating vegetables more? So I love this question. This is like my, oh, I love this question because I was the person that literally pretended to be allergic to vegetables, like hated them with a passion. And now I am the kind of person that snacks on bell peppers. I, when we went to the States, uh, Victor, I, I put a bell pepper in his backpack and they stopped him at security. We're like, what is this? He was like, he just like points at me. (laughs) Anyways. So I, I know how you feel. If you're someone that is not a huge veggie fan, I know how you feel. And it's, it's two sides. There's the mindset side. And then there's also kind of the like practical application side. So one thing is the more that you tell yourself that you hate vegetables or the more that you tell yourself, I just don't like that. Or the more that you tell yourself that you don't want to do it, the more you're going to believe that. So the more you're going to reinforce that belief. And so a simple reframe is to be like, instead of I hate vegetables, it's I'm learning to like vegetables. And that just completely changes how you approach the process. Or instead of, you know, I don't like veggies. Maybe it's like, I, I, I value my health. So eating vegetables is important to me, for example, then on the practical application side is one, remembering that vegetables is a very large category. So maybe you don't like green beans, but have you tried, you know, eggplant or spinach or a million other different vegetables? So when we lump together 
vegetables, what we're actually lumping together is a, an extensive category. So one thing really simple, and I'll shut up here because I think I'm actually going to do an entire podcast episode on this because I think it's a really important thing to talk about. Uh, one easy thing is to, if you're someone that's working on getting yourself to like vegetables more, pair them with things that you enjoy the flavors of. So for example, you like uh, Asian flavors, you like teriyaki, put, put teriyaki sauce on your vegetables. You enjoy, you know, more Italian things, put some basil and mozzarella on your vegetables. So pair it with things that you already like, and that will start to get you used to having more colors on your plate. Very last thing I'll say about this, because I could go on forever, is, is you can also gamify it. Like challenge yourself to have various colors on your plate. And that actually really helps with mindful eating as well, because it makes your meals visually more appealing because of the different colors. Yeah, the color thing is massive. And I found that it really helps for people because it just like, for, for some reason, eating things that look fun you enjoy them more and colors look fun. So I think colors is great. And I think also exploring textures is really important yeah. when it comes to vegetables. Like I have some clients who thought they hated vegetables, but it turns out they just don't like cooked vegetables because they get like soft and they love crunchy vegetables. So anything that was crunchy, they're like, this works fine for me. Or if it's like lightly steamed or like lightly sauteed, whatever, that's fine. But if it's like mushy, it just triggers something in me and that's you know that's by the way a, an extremely common thing <laughs> neuroscientifically like we learn textures really well and then we store them and we only need to experience it one time and we're like burn it into my memory forever you could unlearn it if you want but you could also just go for textures that you enjoy more yeah the exploring different veggies thing is huge but also exploring like where you learned that vegetables suck yes somewhere you learned this and very often it goes back to like being a kid and being forced to eat like vegetables you didn't like or being forced to eat vegetables before you were allowed to have a dessert or before you were allowed to leave the table and so vegetables became a should and I've had this with many clients where they basically realized that what was holding them back from like you know you talked about changing that narrative of like I'm a person who hates vegetables to I'm a person who's learning to like them uh you know step one might be I might like some vegetables and that's fine too right but if our narrative is I don't like any vegetables we'll absolutely be stuck in that um and normally we learned it we learned it from from like some kind of childhood traumatic experience and I also find this with people who are again coming out very rigid dieting and are kind of like they don't know what they like anymore because they spent so long letting a, a calorie tracker or a macro tracker dictate what they were and weren't allowed to eat that they're like I don't I don't know if I like vegetables and so for a while they might just take a break those kind of people might have been eating vegetables for like way too long and eating them in like massive amounts which I know both you and I did Julian where it was like our fiber was like off the charts high yeah, yeah. in that kind of situation take a break like take a break don't eat vegetables for a while like see how you feel and then you can do exactly the same process as someone who's just starting out experiment with textures colors different methods of cooking by the way as well you might hate raw carrots but love them in like coming out the oven or shredded or whatever there's so many different ways to eat stuff like raw eggplants can taste like shit but if you put it in a curry you might really like it so experimenting with different cooking methods as well 100 100 and I think a big part of it is is also recognizing that you kind of get to decide 
what you do with that information. Like you get to decide, um, I am going to continue to tell myself this narrative or I'm going to decide to try to challenge myself. And maybe you prove yourself right that, you know, X, Y, Z vegetables, I don't like them. Cool. Which is fine. Yeah. That's totally fine. And this is why it's so cool to know how many incredible different options there are. And also understand that like you can get, like if you look at vegetables by like their colors, you can get some similar nutrients or some of the same nutrients from fruit as well. And so it's not like you only need to eat vegetables for health. Like vegetables and fruit are freaking awesome. Some people like to eat a little bit more fruit, a little bit less veggies. Some people like to eat a little bit more veggies, a little bit less fruit. But I think just getting more color on your plate is overall really helpful. Yep. Love it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. We nailed it. Okay. So we managed to do one, two, three, four, five, six questions today, which that if is- you guys have ever listened to any of our previous Q and A's is nothing short of a miracle that we did six. It really, um, yeah, it really is. I'm really impressed. Uh, and that was really fun. I feel like we that got through a lot of different things. Um, and so uh, if you listen to this and you're like, oh, I want to get my question answered, please go ahead and just send it over to Be Well Cartel because we will make sure to jot that down. We're going to, we're thinking about doing one of these episodes, maybe like every three to four weeks and just taking questions that we get from our clients, taking questions that we get from you guys and doing sort of like a quick fire response. And I think this is really cool because it actually answers questions that like real people are having. Not yeah, just so you could send those in on like Instagram DMs or yeah. bewellcartel at gmail.com. Also exactly, exactly. Well, Holly, it's morning for you. What are you going to do for the rest of the day? You have a client call. I'm Don't going you? to Vegas today. Shut up. Mm. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's so fun. Well, enjoy it. I am going, I have a fun weekend plan because it's my birthday tomorrow. Oh my so God, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I made a big deal out of my birthday for the first time, maybe ever. And I was like, okay, friends, we're going to lunch and then we're going, and then you guys are going to give me a cake. And then in the evening, we're going to karaoke. And then on Sunday, we are going to an outdoor like techno thing. So yeah. Love it. Oh my and God. That sounds so fun. I'm really excited. I'm also like are a little bit overwhelmed, but yeah. Anyways. Thank you so much for being here. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure to follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen. And also those of you that are sharing these podcasts with people in your life, thank you. That is so freaking cool. And it's so amazing every time I hear from someone like, oh, I shared this episode with this person in my life. So please keep doing that because that's just awesome. And we will see you again very soon. Bye.